What is up, internets? And welcome to Self-Defense from All Angles, episode 10. This week we have on the show my friend Terry Trahan. He is an expert, in my opinion, on the topic that I wanted to discuss this week, which is EDC or everyday carry. And all that means is what people carry on themselves each day in order to keep themselves safe, or as Terry says later on, to make their lives easier. A lot of the self-defense space has been hyper-focused on weapons and tools and tricks and sprays and all this kind of stuff in their everyday carry. And I get a ton of questions about, hey, Randy, what should I carry for my own personal protection? This episode will answer a ton of that. Terry has an amazing model on everyday carry. He talks about some things that I've never heard anybody talk about in the space of what tools and equipment you should have on your body. And also he talks a lot about the medical side of things, which gives me a moment to promote this year's Violence Dynamics. So if you're aware, Violence Dynamics is the event that myself, sometimes Terry's at, Rory Miller, Tammy Yard McCracken, and Casey Kekkeisen teach every year in Minnesota. The first day, the day zero of this year, is the first time we're allowing new people to join and we're actually doing a course on Stop the Bleed. So if you are looking for some kind of medical training for your self-defense, which you honestly should, especially if you carry tools that put holes in people, you should be aware that people can put holes in you. And having the ability to stop that bleed might be a good idea. So remember, Violence Dynamics this October in Minnesota. You can DM me for more details on that. And let's take a listen to Terry Trahan as he walks out everyday carry in, I think, one of the best possible ways. Don't forget, as always, if you want to bring me in for an event, to speak to your people, to do a keynote, or to train your staff, jump over to randykinglive.com and get a hold of me there. Let's get to the show. Welcome to the show. This week, we have my friend Terry Trahan. He's been on the show before, but not this show. And I brought Terry on for a very specific reason, as you've probably heard in the intro, which is everyday carry. I reference Terry all the time in my threat assessment seminar, and I reference it because one time I was talking to Terry about ranging. And the conversation I usually have about ranging is, I can punch you from here, I can kick you from here, I can grab you from here. And the convo me and Terry had was, I could use this weapon from here. I could use this weapon from here. I could use this weapon from here. And that changed my mindset on what people carry, what people can do. So I figured if we're going to do an everyday carry talk, an EDC talk, if you will, and we're going to talk about the pros and cons of it, there's nobody better than Terry Trahan. So Terry, thank you for being on the show, number one. Hey, thanks for having me. Awesome. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? I have been involved in Southeast Asian martial arts for about 30 years now, also into the modern self-defense thing for just about as long, try to bridge the gap between the two. I also led a uh, kind of unconventional life previously. I was a bouncer for over a decade. I did a bunch of other stuff, was in some gangs and did stuff on the other side. Hooked up with some really good people, Rory, Mark McYoung, and, and they started steering me towards using my powers for good. And and that's why you're perfect to have on the show is you have the the two sides of this, right? A lot of people come from the law enforcement side. In fact, the self-defense industry is full of ex-cops and ex-bouncers on the not arrested side of the law. You can bring a little bit of the view from the other side, correct? Yes. 
If I remember right, one of my best classes at Viadai, my most best received was the dark side of force laws. That was, yeah, that was a great one. And for all the listeners, number one, Southeast Asian martial arts are things like Salat, and Viodai is Violence Dynamics. That's the yearly event that we go to every year. Myself and a part of the team. And sometimes Terry's there and sometimes he's not. So maybe he'll be there eventually. We don't know what's going on. All right, Terry, let's get in the meat of the show. Everyday carry is a huge topic in the self-defense community. And as I talk about in my five biggest myths of self-defense, people tend to rely on their everyday carry a little bit too heavy, thinking they can just buy a gun or just have a tool, and then that tool is going to protect them. Number one, why don't you tell the listeners what an everyday carry is and what you suggest they would bring, and then we'll get to the darker side of everyday carry and the talisman effect. Okay, so everyday carry. Um, as, as, the, as it says, everyday carry is the stuff you carry with you every day, and it should be to make your life easier. I broadly expanded my definition of everyday carry to include notebooks and pens and, and replacement batteries for or power packs for my phone and stuff like that. Because everyday carry at its core is supposed to make your life easier. Okay. When break it into the self-defense slash preparedness world, it, it gets really wacky, but it, you should still stick with that definition. But you need to add something else to it is. Don't carry anything you're not trained to use. The tool doesn't do the work. You use the tool to do work. So if you're carrying, if you're from England and you somehow get an illegal gun and you carry it, you haven't trained with it, so you don't know what you're doing. It's going to be more of a detriment to you than it is a benefit. It requires a lot of thought and actual thinking, not just going by the latest you read on whatever forum or Facebook page, because... Most of those pages exist to sell you stuff, not tell you how to use it or what it's for. I think that's um, an excellent point where, number one, the training thing, we're going to hit that hard today. But also the fact that a lot of the advice you're getting for everyday carry is from people trying to sell you something. They're trying to sell their knife or their medical kit or their whatever. So for the listeners, again, this being a new user show, what do you what do most people carry for? What should people be considering for an everyday carry? What should they have on them? You play the odds and you look at the information for the area you're in. A common everyday carry, we'll just go with what's common, a gun and backup ammo, whether it's a speed loader or a magazine or whatever, a knife or three. Be amazed. Everybody makes fun of how long it takes me to, to disarm when we start seminars. I'm an amateur at some of that. There, there's people who carry, I, I can't imagine how much stuff, how much more they weigh. But a phone charger, flashlight, defensive pen, or just heavy duty pen, all kinds of stuff. And then you get into the feel good stuff, which I actually think is important. Things that remind you of people that you knew or that give you motivation to keep going through a hard time, worry, stones, dog tags, whatever. But self-defense oriented, it's usually a gun and ammo, knife, one that does not get enough input because it really does make your life easier, a multi-tool, Leatherman, Gerber, SOG, whatever. I like Leatherman, so I'll pump them. You'll end up using that a lot more often than you will your gun or your knife. And then last but not least, there I have a triad of it and at the foundation of it is medical gear. You're more likely to have to use medical gear than anything else except for your multi-tool. But once again, the caveat has to be there. Don't carry stuff you're not trained to use. You see a lot of people who buy tourniquets or pressure dressings or chest seals. And most of the time you could tell by the state of the item when they take their EDC picture, it's there for pictures. You don't, that's the worst aspect of talisman training. If you have good first aid or trauma gear, you want to know how to use it. 
because that literally can save somebody's life. I think that's one of the things we don't not uh, the industry doesn't talk about in general is the aftermath of violence number one and number two being that medical gear is important if you're carrying something that goes bang if you're in a place you can legally carry that or illegally i'm not the boss of you but if you're carrying whatever and you are expecting to enter a, a, a fight like a gunfight for example you also might get hit you also might get shot you're not invincible so having the proper repair kit for the human body on you and to be trained in it is super important. You said it was a triad, and I missed what that was. So it was medical, and then your weaponry. Weaponry, Weaponry and tools, and then the feel-good stuff, that motivational aspects or whatever. That's awesome. I've never heard anybody even talk about feel-good stuff at all. So let's walk each one of your triad out, because I I like models, and people like easily accessible things, and triangles are easily accessible. So we got medical gear. We've already talked about that. Weaponry, we'll talk about a little bit more, because I want to talk about less lethal types of things you can carry because again this is listened to in i think like we're at like 60 countries right now and only two of them you're allowed to carry a gun on you legally and then the feel good stuff but let's focus first on the feel good stuff i think that's very interesting so this is stuff that you put in your pockets every day just to keep you motivated or remind you of stuff where did you come up with this idea when did you start talking about it give me a walk out of it I think the first time I ever mentioned it was probably back around 2016 or so. I wrote a little article for a magazine. And once again, they had asked me about EDC. And I started going through everything that I put on every day. And anybody's hung out with me. I wear bracelets. I wear necklaces. I have my wedding ring, stuff like that. And I started thinking about that stuff's just as important in my mentality as all the other stuff that I put on. It's a touchstone to your daily life. It reminds you of why, even if it's not a life-threatening situation, you're sitting there grinding it out at your ninth hour at your job, you didn't get a break. You got to remember why you're doing it, you know? Challenge coins would probably be the closest that you can make the connection between the tactical world and what I'm talking about. Challenge coins, you you get them given to you by people in SWAT teams or military units. And it's a, a token of belonging, basically. And that really made me start thinking about everybody does it. Everybody, women get ready in the morning, earrings, necklace, whatever. Guys do it too. It just might be different stuff, but it overlaps and it gives you a sense of this is my life. This is why I'm doing it. This is... I have stuff on my keychain that I can rub like a worry stone real quick. So I don't like light a, automatically light up a cigarette or cuss at somebody. So it's a little bit of management of yourself as well as keeping yourself motivated. Do you feel that with the invention of the cell phone that a lot of people have outsourced that to their cell phone? Like I have a gajillion pictures of my daughter, for example, on my cell phone. Do you like, is there still a benefit to having a tactile connection point like a uh, challenge coin or something or is the stuff on your phone going to work for you or is that just a, a personal thing i think it's a personal thing for me it doesn't work as well i'm not as married to my phone as a lot of people are although i'm use- learning to use it better but for me tactile being able to feel something or actually look at the item instead of a picture of it is very important but if your phone is like the new wallet and people used to keep family photos in their wallet way back when it's the same thing. It's just a different form. Right. I think that's super interesting because I wonder if it's attached. This is all just speculation. Now I'm going to the weeds. My coffee's finally kicking in. I'm feeling better. The, the, I wonder if it's attached like learning style. 
right? There's visual learners, audio learners, tactile learners. I wonder if you're more of a tactile person, having something you can touch would be beneficial. I'm an audio learner. Audio is what gets things into my brain. So I really enjoy like hearing like laughter on my phone and stuff. So like a video of my daughter laughing when she was a kid. And when I'm in a down space, that's what I play. So I wonder if that's attached in any way. I never thought about it much, but it makes a hell of a lot of sense on the surface. I do learn a lot more physically. You've seen me bang it out in in seminars and uh, that's how I figure stuff out. It's a giant like physical puzzle. And that probably plays into how I like to do things in general. I love that you have this in your model because it takes it away from the super tactical, the speed loader stuff and all the stuff you need to carry the tools you have. And it brings it to a more human component of like you, you've mentioned earlier, those everyday things like a multi-tool is going to be way more useful to you than the coolest knife you buy for X amount of money. My knife is covered in tape, not because I'm opening boxes so I can be like sneaky against the cops. It's because I used to open my daughter and nephew's toys with it. Every Christmas, Uncle Randy has a knife and they come to me and we'd open toys. So I think it's very interesting that you include that because it takes, it adds to it that human aspect of things that you bring and it takes away that fear-based kind of thought process on everyday carry, which I think too many people are toting, right? If you don't have this, you're going to die. I'm like, you're going to Walmart, bro. It's probably going to be okay, right? But too many people are way too heavy on the fear-based side of this. Yeah. I I started out by saying everyday carry, it should make your life easier every day. That's why you're carrying it. Whether through all the adventures in my life, whether it's in basic training or when I was homeless, Ounces lead to pain, right? The more you carry, the heavier it is, the more it's going to hurt you in the end. Your carry space for personal stuff is very limited. You got your pockets, you got your belt, maybe a backpack. I tend to like vests or shirts that have pockets with them. You still don't want to carry 40 pounds of shit around with you every day for no freaking reason, right? And so when you include the personal stuff into it, you start realizing that it, it really is to make your life better and easier. And self-defense is just one aspect of that. And I think that's a great reframe of it. It's to make everything easier. So if there's psychological tools, like the thing you can rub so you're not having a cigarette or yelling at people, like you said, that's going to make your life easier because you're not having as many frictionful encounters with human beings on the planet. I really like that thought process on it. We're going to go back to medical gear. And because I know you have some good suggestion where people can get training in that sort of area, but let's go to weaponry. I have two questions. Let's start with the first one. What are your thoughts on hidden self-defense tools, like a tactical pen or a, like something that looks like something else, like a keychain, taser, like these hidden things. So this is one of the biggest pushes in marketing for everyday carry is, oh, carry this pen because it looks like a pen. But when the cops talk to you, they're dumb and also don't see our advertisements. And then you can stab with it and get away with it. What are your thoughts on this whole camouflage self-defense tool process? It's bullshit. Please expand. Back in, it's got had to have been about 2003, 2004, I was running a sub forum on self-defense forums called Contact Weapons. And we got all kinds of pissed off because one of the guys that joined ended up writing a book that was a guidebook for TSA for hidden and camouflage weapons. And it was all shit that we talked about on, on the forum, all shit that we showed. And that kind of made me start thinking, 
and, and also due to being arrested and shit before in my life, sure. cops know what you're, you're carrying and why you're carrying it. Yeah. If it makes you feel better, it, where it comes in, everybody brings up the topic of NPE, non-permissive environment, right? And that's where a lot of this stuff tries to fit in. That's so your coworkers don't get freaked out really quick that you have something to defend yourself because to them, it doesn't look like a weapon. The so, other reason I go ahead. I would say, so if you're the Dwight Schrute of your office, you can hide it under the, under the desk, just in case somebody comes and attacks. I understand. <laughs> yeah. And then the other aspect of it is the less it looks like a weapon or the more disguised it tries to be, the less effective it's going to be. And do you really want to rely on something not effective mm -hmm. to defend your life? In my previous job, we sold like stun guns and stun rings and stuff like that. And people would ask me my honest opinion on them. I'd laugh at them and say, we used to play tag with them when I was a kid. Now, that says a lot about me growing up, but it also shows how ineffective they can be. So disguise things, not so much. It's better to learn how to carry yourself to where you don't look like a thug looking for trouble and you can get away with carrying a lot more. If you know how to talk, you can get away with it a lot more. I think that's one of the things I, we got to point out here. A lot of the marketing for this is marketed to the U.S., where there's different states and different rules. I remember when I was in Boston and we were teaching at he shall not be named anymore school. We he was we were driving and he's like, hey, in this town, that knife you have is legal. In this town, it's not legal. So it switched jurisdiction as we were driving down the road in Canada and Canadian law. If you use anything as a weapon, it's a weapon. So if I beat you down with an ashtray, because I'm in 1970 and ashtrays still exist, but if I have an ashtray and I beat you down, that's considered assault with a weapon. So even if it's not, doesn't look like a weapon or wasn't intended to be a weapon, according to our legal system and a lot of other common law systems, it's still a weapon. So this hiding thing never made any sense to me as a Canadian growing up in the Canadian legal system. You're right about the US too. Right now I'm living in Texas, right? everything's legal. Yeah. I don't need a permit to carry a gun, blackjack saps, brass knuckles, you name it. I can carry it if I want to. Right. I cross about what, two hours west of me is the New Mexico state line over there. Nothing is legal. And it, it's, there's no ones, everything's illegal somewhere. And part of the whole being into self-defense and, and being a little more proactive about living your life is making the decision that you you make the choice. And mm -hmm. you, when you make that choice, you might be violating the law. There's a, I wrote way back, there's a whole bunch of places selling stuff, the tiger claw for women, they put it in their hand and they squeeze their hand and these claws pop out and you're supposed to be like Wolverine. Legal in all 50 states. And I'm like, how? Right. <laughs> it, number one, it's a maiming device. It's not a weapon. It's a maiming device. Number two, it meets the definition of brass knuckles because it's stuff that don't rely on the people selling you stuff to tell you the legality of it. Very few business people are also self-defense lawyers. I'll just throw that out there right now. They don't really know how that works. There's a couple of tools like that. So one of my favorite tools that I had uh, in Canada here was Kelly Warden's Travel Wrench. That was yes. one of the ones that actually worked really well. Because you could just the way you pitch it, because it looked like a wrench, it was a tool. Eventually, people got wise to it, but it took 10 years. I like that because it being plastic and it having the, the wrench holes in it, you could explain it. But again, it's like the, the old saying goes, right? If you carry a baseball bat for self-defense in your car, it makes you have a bat, it makes you have a mitt in a ball. Explain why you have those things. Why are you going to carry a wrench every day? Exactly, right?
it makes once again, it's not for the cops. It's not for law enforcement. If you use it, it's going to be held against you. However, you want to put that. It's so the people around you don't freak out. That's the biggest thing that they're selling to you. If you're a solitary individual and your general crowd doesn't get into self-defense and stuff, they're going to freak out when you pull out the $400 knife or whatever. This is stuff that makes your life easier with the people around you. That's what the actual point of it is. Yeah, that is such a good distinction, right? It's not doing what it says. Like you can get into a non-permissive environment past TSA. It's so you don't freak out Bill at church because you have some sort of tool on you in the Lord's house. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I got busted at TSA for carrying a pen. Right. Right. Now I have a lot of uh, of defensive pens and stuff. This one wasn't one of them. It was a handmade artistic pen that a a friend of mine had made, but they deemed it heavy enough and big enough to be a weapon. Interesting. Not advertised as one. So roll your dice and take your chances. Yeah. And I liked how you phrased that earlier, right? Like you have to, you're, if you're being proactive, you have to decide what you're carrying, what you're not carrying, what rules you're going to follow. You're all adults. You're going to make these decisions, right? If laws obviously don't work on people that don't give a crap about the law, they're going to carry what they want to carry. Yeah, exactly. We got medical gear. Make sure you know how to use it. We got the feel good stuff. We got weaponry. If I was a brand new person and I was coming to you and I asked, hey, Terry, what should I carry on my person as for an everyday carry? And with that note, giving me the best things, what training should I seek out in order to carry those? What would you say? Okay, so first thing that I would recommend is medical gear and medical training. It's a worldwide thing called Stop the Bleed, right? The Stop the Bleed Coalition. They provide training in how to stop emerging hardcore bleeding, arterial cuts, gunshots, stab wounds, whatever. It covers where you should tourniquet, where tourniquet won't work. So you have to stuff the wound or direct pressure. However, they take you through all the steps. And that covers, if you buy a regular trauma kit that's available on the market, that covers two out of the three things that should be in there, right? right? They have the the battle dressings, they have the crinkle gauze, and they have the tourniquets. That's the main components, and that's what you're going to face the most. I would add on to that a chest seal because you can't tourniquet right from your neck down in, in your trunk. Tourniquet won't work. You don't really want to try to stuff gauze where your lungs supposed to be. That doesn't feel very well and doesn't work very well. Chest seals are important, but more importantly, go to classes. There's Dark Angel Medical is a good one. He, Lone Star Medics, he he was an ex-Army medic and he teaches some very in-depth classes. He even does a, a medical EDC class. It's really interesting, but it doesn't work. It's not a magic pill. You can't just throw a tourniquet at somebody and their life's going to be saved. You have to know how to do it. So that's when my guys up in Denver that I used to train and train with, we would have days where we'll be training, doing our, our, our drills or sparring or whatever. And one of the guys would shoot somebody with a water spray bottle and wherever it hit, that's where the wound was. So what are you going to do to treat it? You know, so you have to incorporate this and some high stress training is is good because I don't know about you, but seeing a lot of blood coming out of somebody's arm and a green stick fracture or the bones coming out, that's stressful. You want to learn how to deal with that kind of stress. Once again, the tools alone are not going to fix it. Yes. 
And I, I agree 100%. When it comes to on the next side, so we're doing the suggestions. I'm just going to guide you on this one. The next one is weapons. Other than a firearm, because obviously if you can carry a firearm, do that and train with it, obviously. What would you? What else would you recommend? Because I know you have some preferred tools. Okay, so going against what everybody thinks I'm going to say right now, who knows me, the ones who really know me aren't going to be surprised. Impact weapons. Right. Okay. My life does not revolve around the criminal world anymore. I don't feel the need to have to deanimate somebody, right? Deanimate. All right. Yep. Go on. <laughs> I'm trying to remember that you're in Canada and you use the word unalive, right? I use unalive because of social media rules, not because I'm in Canada. There's a difference. But deanimate is better. I'm going to use that more from now on. Impact tools. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that, I, I'm a big fan of blackjacks and saps, mostly saps and brass knuckles. Right. I, I coined a saying and it's making the rounds now. It's easier to turn out the lights than it is to drain the pipes. Okay. okay. It's easier to knock somebody out or break their, their tool, their arm or their hands or whatever, than it is to stab them and wait for them to bleed out so they stop attacking you. Mm -hmm. If you're in a purely self-defense situation, it also don't take this as legal advice. I'm just saying. It looks better when you knock somebody out than when you stab them 14 times. Sure. That makes sense. Plus, there's a whole lot of cultural stuff. No matter how many people talk about it, not many people want to stab somebody. Right. Right. There's a yeah. whole thing involved in getting somebody to work up to the point of being able to stab even an inanimate object with intent. So you don't want to have to fight against that. And unfortunately, impact tools are illegal almost everywhere. It's, it's getting better. I think there's 20 states now where they're legal in the U.S., but they are some also the most easily improvised tools there is. You were talking about Kelly Warden's travel wrench, right? Mm -hmm. Kelly has a couple really good tools that fall into that point. Instead of a sap, I used to have some people that I recommended miniature like landscaping hammers. They're about this big, right? And they weigh about 10 ounces, hammerhead on it. It works the same way, right? So non-lethal is a lot easier to go with, and it's a lot more explainable. It still has a bad reputation, but not as bad as a knife. And in the current political slash social environment we're in, it's definitely not as bad as a gun. And I think too, right? Because I, I make this point all the time, being a Canadian self-defense guy, on my TikTok, which is where most of our, my new contacts are, TikToks where I'm getting the most traction for new people. That's always the answer because I trend very high in the US and it's always, we'll just carry a gun. I'm like, hey guys, yeah, I agree. But some of us can't and some of us want to follow the law, right? So we're not going to carry those tools with us illegally. I really love that you're pointing out impact tools. And I agree with you. I just had this, com I, had, I just had a conversation like this with a former client. She's a photographer and she goes into the woods a lot. And so she, of course, she's a little bit worried, right? Hey, I'm in the woods by myself. I'm literally distracted. My job is to look through a distraction device and hyper-focus on one thing. What if I get attacked? And my first instinct was use a knife because I've trained forever to stab things and they're very effective. But she's like, oh, I don't know if I could stab somebody. And instead of being like, oh, don't be a wimp about it, I'm like, you know what? That's a very good point. Maybe you can't stab somebody. So I recommended a heavy flashlight with a strobe on it. I think that's great for distraction and running. But I really I love that impact weapons. I think I agree with you. They do look better. Again, not legal advice, but it's going to be e easier to articulate I decided to thump them on the head to put them down than to bleed them out in the middle of this field. And the other thing, getting back to the impact weapons, you recommended a flashlight with a strobe, right? Yep. That's an impact weapon too. Yep. The flash and bash, right? 
try to get things that cover as for EDC, going back just to general EDC things, carry something that covers as many variables as you can. Try to be more generic. A flashlight works as a, a illumination device distraction and impact if you get the right kind, right? Yeah. And I think, like you said, because for the user end, I'm really glad you brought this up. For the user end, flashing somebody in the eyes with a flashlight is very easy to do. Even spraying some kind of chemical into their eye, just flashing a flashlight, making them blind and using that as your, like you said, your flash and bash or flash and escape is going to be much easier psychologically for the person to do because what people forget in the self-defense side, because people conflate self-defense and combatives together is the same thing. They forget that people are learning self-defense so they're not wanting to do damage to somebody. They don't want to learn how to end a human. They want to learn how to protect themselves. So the tools and the things we suggest have to follow that mindset. And and it goes with my first rule when when I get a new student, the first rule they learn I don't give a fuck. I'm going home. And, and it just branches out into a whole lot of different things. It opens up a whole lot of possibilities. It doesn't mean just fighting. It means I don't care what I have to do. I'm going home. If I have to run, I'm going home. And I think you could people could take that in a very, I know you don't mean it this way, but it can be taken as, oh, I'll do it. I better be judged by 12 than carried by six. Nope. But you also mean, hey, apologize. Even if you don't feel like apologizing, because whatever it takes to get home also includes eating some crow also includes. Right. Yes, exactly. And it's when you go into it with that mindset that you'll do anything to go home. That also means that you're going to try to avoid all the aftermath that could come with it. You're not going to challenge the guy to make him want to come back to you, right? Mm-hmm. You're not going to be running away and hollering some racial or, or sexist epithet at him. You're making a clean break, right? Right. And I think that's because, yeah, people have hooks and nobody thinks about retaliation. In everybody's head, they're in a Jason Bourne movie in their self-defense situation, and they get to beat somebody up and then like nothing happens. Just hot, attractive humans come and make out with you after whatever they think is going to happen. And it's just not the case. Which is great when that happens, but you have to be in some really weird situations for that to happen. That or your the group that you are in, culturally speaking, for that to be like a reward time is very, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> really. All right. So we're wrapping, coming to the end of the free portion of the show. This has been a great conversation. I've been asking too many questions and interrupting the main question I wanted to ask. So I'm going to try to shut my mouth and listen to the answers, which is, so we have your triad of things, weapons, you're recommending blunt, right? Something yes. blunt and anything that can co- uh, cover multiple areas. Now, again, don't at me. If you can carry a firearm, your training is a firearm, do that. But most of the people I talk to don't have that option. Medical, you talked about the kit that you should get. And then for the feel-good stuff, that's going to be super personal, right? That's going to be whatever they decide. Yeah, there's no set guide. Some people carry religious items. Some people carry pictures. Like we said, some people have stuff on their phone that they can look at. It it, it doesn't matter as long as it fits that need that you have. Yeah, that's awesome. I love the triad. I love that you're taking out the tactical kind of thought process on this where it's, I'm going to carry the best weapon for the best damage in these situations. And this is what people don't under, at least in my opinion, because again, I train civilians, right? I'm a civilian who trains civilians. Being a doorman doesn't make me a police officer or a lawyer or anything. I just threw drunks out. That's not that tough once you learn how to do it. So as we're looking at this, I think a lot of people, they're imagining a reality they don't live in. They're taking a course or they're getting freaked out or they're just doom scrolling and all they're getting is, 
command camo pants dudes yelling at them about how their family's going to get taken when they live in suburbia and the biggest problem they're going to encounter is the IRS, right? So a lot of these people are, they're getting conflated. And that's the point of the show, Self-Tentral Angles, is to take away that fear-based ridiculousness and to actually look at it. So carry something on you that covers lots of, I'm going to paraphrase and then correct me if I'm wrong, carry something on you that covers multiple areas. A flashlight with proper design is a good idea because it does multiple things. Medical gear, there is some certain stuff you should be paying attention to, and those kits exist, but get the training first. Don't just think having it's going to help, unless you're just there to support somebody who has medical training. You lucked out and somebody needs it and you have it. Which is important. I just had a story from a friend of mine who that actually happened. Oh, go on. Yeah. He got into a motorcycle wreck, right? He couldn't treat himself, but he had a kit strapped to his handlebars. Somebody happened to roll by that was an off-duty paramedic saw the kit, grabbed it, and treated my friend until an actual paramedic showed up. So it might not be a bad idea just to have it on you, just in case. Yeah, support gear. Yeah, and you're one of the few people who says this, and I've seen you carry your kit. I know where your medical kit is on your body. I hear a lot of people talk about this stuff, but they don't actually do it, right? Like, you should carry a medical kit. Where's yours? Oh, I don't have one. (laughs) Okay, why are you telling people to do this if you don't have it? It's in the truck. Yeah, it's in the it's in the truck. Is the truck way over there? Blood's dripping out of you. That's far away. So uh, I love this triad. I love this breakdown. This is why I wanted to have you on the show. I think it is super important that people understand everyday carry is not magic. It's and I love uh, the it's to make your life easier. Your everyday carrier should make every day easier. And the last thing actually I want to talk. We'll go a little bit over time. You said that ounces equal pain. So how do you recommend people, the people, let's say there's some people listening to this and they have the full vest and they're carrying like 30 pounds of gear on them every day. How do you recommend people prioritize what to carry and what not to carry? What's the last five things that you used out of your everyday carry? Very simple answer, but that makes a lot of sense. From there, you can narrow it down. You can add everyday carry also is not a static concept. Every day is not the same, right? Mm -hmm. I'm staying at home today. Guess what I have in my pocket? I have a cigarette lighter. Right. Tomorrow I'm going out. Guess what I'm going to have with me? I'm going to have my med kit. I'm going to have whatever. It varies. But what are the top five, top six things that you use every day? That's what you should concentrate on. And then exigencies exist, right? Different things might happen. You're going to a different area. The farther away you go from home, the more stuff you might need, right? I'm not going to carry food if I'm going two blocks away. If I'm driving to another town, I'm going to have water and food. That might be an everyday thing, right? Would you could would you suggest even flipping it the other way of like really paying attention to your everyday life and then looking for things you wish you would have had on you? Hey, you've been out a lot of times. Oh man, I wish I would have had. So for me, it's a lighter. There's so many times I needed a lighter when I was camping or whatever that I just didn't bring. So I started putting a lighter in my pocket all the time because I paid attention to the need and tallied how many times I could have used this tool. Yes, exactly. It's a great way to do it. And that's how you find out that there's holes that you might need to cover, right? If you're Mr. Everyday Carry, but you have to walk over, hey man, you got a light. There might be a hole there that you want to fill. Awesome. Um, It's it's self-education because no one lives your life but you. Right. That is perfect. Terry, let's end this free show right there. We're obviously jumping over to patreon.com slash Randy King Live. Keep subscribing. A lot of new people. Greatly appreciate it. You can share the show. Terry, why don't you tell the listeners where they can get a hold of you? If you want to promote anything, this is the time. 
Okay, so I, right now I'm just on Facebook, Terry Trahan. In the very near future, there's a website, felldudes.com. There's going to be a Patreon. I've got a couple books coming out really soon. Okay, I'm writing them now. I don't know how long the editing process takes, but I'm making good progress on them. But Facebook's probably easiest. Cool. And are you not doing any courses right now? What about Weaselcraft? Is that still a thing? Uh, it's still a thing. There's a book being written on it. I had a job where I couldn't break free for a long time. So I put all that on the back burner. Now that I have a little more time and, and figuring things out, I probably a couple times a year will teach some courses. Cool. Awesome. So everybody, you heard that Facebook, if you're on Facebook, because some of you aren't, I know that it's for old people, apparently I'm on it. But if you're on Facebook, that's the best place to get a hold of them. Uh, also, I am gray. <laughs> so I got some too. I, I get it. Also, I'd like to mention this and we should be mentioning more often. Tell the person when you message them that you heard them on the show. Just don't randomly approach people with a friend request. And then, so this has happened to a couple of guests. We're like, I got all these friend requests. I didn't know who they were from like, because you don't know when the show is going to come out. So they didn't know, hey, listeners, introduce yourself. <laughs> Be like, hey, I heard you on the show. I'm not just some random person because maybe the, for example, my sister is a very attractive human. Casey, when she requested to be friends with him, thought he was getting catfished. <laughs> introduce them. hey my name is blank i am i heard you on randy's show i'd like to learn more that's just going to make things easier and that's not just terry that's a new rule across the board i got to start saying tell people why you're going into their facebook wall because in the time we live in especially on facebook you're not going to be adding random people that that's good i like that and then of course as always randykinglive.com if you want to bring me in for any seminars or public speaking events we're going to jump over to the one up with Terry Trahan. He's going to tell us a story. So he's told a couple on the show. If you're on Patreon, you've been there for a while. You can go back through other versions of this and hear some stories. But we're going to have another one. So join us over there. And if you don't join us there, no big deal. You can share the show. We'll hopefully see you next week. 